have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey, you've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. Do you experience stress in your life? Whenever I ask that question, the answer is usually a resounding yes, and uh, we know why. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about something I think affects virtually everyone, and that's how to keep your sex drive alive while coping with daily stresses and dealing with that noisy brain. And some of us have issues with anxiety, depression, and other chronic illnesses. So feeling sexual and having a regular sex life is even more challenging. And to help us with our chat today, I invited Rachel Rose, who's a chronically ill and disabled sex educator, graphic designer, and speaker whose work focuses on an inclusive, sex-positive, and pleasure-focused approach to sexual health and the intersections of chronic illness, disability, and sex. And she's going to help give us insight and tips into how to manage your relationships and sex life when you're also handling stress and coping with a noisy brain and or disability. But before we start our chat with Rachel Rose, I just want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you'll get access to a massive international network and dating platform of over 3 million members worldwide. Use my special promo code 7070 to get two months free at SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. So, to give you some background about my special guest today, Rachel Rose is a national and international educator and presenter about sexuality. She's also the creator of the award-winning sex education blog, Hedonish, and the co-creator of Glittergasm Events. I love it. An event company that hosts inclusive, accessible, and sex-positive play parties. (laughs) Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to see you again. I know we spent a little bit of time together at Southwest Love Fest. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) I did too. time, and it was so nice to meet you. Oh, for sure. And I had seen your presentation about the noisy brain, I think, for the first time at Sex Down South last year. And that's pretty much when I, I, I knew that this was like a really huge topic, something I really wanted to cover. And you're the perfect person to help me with this. So thank you very much in advance for all the great information you're going to be giving us today. <laughs> so can you tell us exactly what you mean when you are talking about having a noisy brain? What does that mean exactly? So that's kind of a term that I came up with to describe my own brain when I was trying to talk to my partner about it. Um, my brain never shuts off. It's like it does not have an, on, an off switch. Um, and that can be really helpful in a lot of different ways in, in regular life uh, with managing different biz- aspects of business or le- multitasking or you know social events. But it's not really great for sex um, because <laughs> like most people, we spend almost all of our time these days trying to multitask and then there's this one activity um, or you know, obviously multitude activities, but there's this one part of our life where we want our brain just to like chill out and focus on one thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that a lot of us don't have any practice doing and it's harder for some people than it is for others. Um, And it doesn't happen naturally for everybody, even though I think there's an expectation that when you're having sex or being intimate, um, you should be able to focus just on your partner and just on what you're doing and and kind of explore those things when for a lot of us, you know, like you're still like, there's still like background processes happening where you're going through probably a whole bunch of other thoughts you can't shut off even if you wish you could. 
Oh God, that sounds so familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that for a lot of people who are listening there, everyone's like, wow, yeah, that sounds exactly like me. And it's so hard because we're inundated with so much stuff every single day at whether we, even if we try to disconnect from our devices, if we go to work, most of us are working at a computer or we're working with, uh, you know, uh, with the internet or some kind of social media or, you know, even individuals around us who are bringing their stuff as well into our sphere. So with all of this stuff that is coming to us and that we're trying to filter out, what are some of the challenges that people have uh, when it comes to having a healthy sex life and trying to feel sexual when when we're just bombarded with all kinds of stuff that's not necessarily having to do with our, you know, uh, trying to focus inwardly on our sex lives and our sex drive, I guess. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think there's probably an endless amount of things that could be getting <laughs> away to be realistic. Um, I think at this point, almost everybody I know has more than one job. Um, you know, there's a, uh, I forget the statistics exactly, but I know that the amount of people who are, um, kind of have joined the, the gig, um, economy, mm-hmm. has, like skyrocketed in the last handful of years. And everybody I know, I think has like, so between two and four jobs or more, and they have side gigs on, they have side gigs that have side gigs. Like they just <laughs> procreated everywhere. Um, and you know, on top of that, we've got normal things like financial stresses, medical expenses, um, uh, you know, and, and then there's this idea of like this hustle where people are supposed to be doing things all the time. And uh, kind of a lot of it comes back to that idea of like success and productivity are, are, are very much linked. And so we're all doing things all the time. And we feel a lot of people feel bad about not being productive when they do take time for themselves. So I think that's that's kind of where I think that whole like um, the, the whole idea of of where where self-care is one idea and then the whole idea of it where it's been marketed as like a a product almost uh, has come from is because people need that so much. Um, Yeah. Ragged. (laughs) And and, you know, something you said um, is so you're so right about that. And that idea of, you know, even comparing to other people and saying, Oh, I'm busier than you or whatever. Like it's an achievement to be busy. Um, That whole aspect of self-care and just, taking a minute to disconnect and trying to be, you know, more aware of, you know, your body and what's happening with your, you know, inside of you versus trying to constantly occupy your mind and your time. It's, it's really become more of, um, I guess, a theme or a common thing that I hear from other people. And, having two or three different jobs, being productive be, or productive or just busy, maybe not even productive, but just busy. Um, those are all <laughs> completely counter to uh, really taking the time to look inwardly, to, to connect with yourself, let alone another human being that you're maybe, or multiple human beings that you might be in relationships with. So when you're talking about all of those day-to-day, you know, uh, kind of stresses, the financial stress, you know, having to pay like like medical bills and other bills, how are all of those challenges compounded in individuals who already have, let's say, anxiety disorders, ADHD, who are trying to deal with depression or other, you know, um, or other issues or other disorders that really uh, don't help the situation? Uh, I think that, so I think, from a lot of the research I've done and, and quotes that I've read and, and whatnot, um, everything that people with ADHD or anxiety experience is, is something like they're not unique to the people who have those, uh, those experience, but they are like multiplied. Mm-hmm. So um, 
uh, I read one quote from from a specialist who was called it uh, the ADHD multiplier that like uh, they have the same issues as everybody else, but and they're not unique problems, but they're just multiplied. Um, and so I think that it, it's not a matter of um, the problems being different that that what other people experience, just that it's not maybe as inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should say it's more it's more consistent of an issue, or it happens more often. Um, or maybe it's a little bit more of a struggle to get out of your head when you need to. Um, and that's kind of why when I did my presentation on having sex with a noisy brain, I focused on ADHD and anxiety as like the epitome of maybe people who, who might struggle to navigate these things. Um, but I think that the information that you know, we went over uh, yeah, applies to really everybody um, because at some point or another, everybody experiences these sensations or feelings or you know, maybe the big project at work, even if you're somebody who can always focus on whatever you want to, maybe that's kind of distracting you when you'd rather be focusing on the person you're with. It's so true. And I think that one of the reasons why I really wanted to, to cover this today is because pretty much everybody that I know, or everybody, I guess, living in the Western world who are, you know, kind of like, uh, I, I guess, um, just, I, I won't say glued to their devices, but for the most part, we kind of are. We are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm talking to you right now, I have three different devices in front of me. And it's, I, and they're all going off. I mean, I'm getting notifications here and there it's so hard to kind of shut off and then if you're even if you put those away how much time does it take for us to kind of come down from being connected is it even possible to do that really especially when you're you know your brain is just kind of still on those neurons are still firing i can mostly only speak from experience on this one. For me, it's a struggle. I'll be honest. Like, it's not something I have entirely figured out. It's kind of like a moving target a little bit, especially depending on just how much stress or other things are happening in your life. Um, there are things you can do to manage it, um, which I know we'll talk about. And yeah. uh, but but I don't know that like that. There's a. I think it's. I think everybody's bodies are and, and brains are very different. And so I don't know that there's like a, a set amount of time for that. But I do think that you do need. Some kind of like, at least for me, I need like a transition period between like my work day and my like and my personal life, uh, which can be a challenge because I work from home. So like, it's so easy to just like, oh, I have ten minutes. I'll just hop back on my computer because it's right in front of me. Um, but it it is like a that can be a good thing that you can do for yourself is to kind of like to set a good, good boundaries around when you do work and when you do other things, um, and that can help. Having that and having a schedule can be. As, as much as I hate schedules, because I'm like, I always find them boring, they're super useful, <laughs> which I think everybody else in the world has already figured out. Um, <laughs> I'm a little s- slow on that one, I guess, to catch up, but... Um, oh my, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> starting to, um, like, create good divisions between when you do certain things and, and, and not having to be on 24-7 with your phone or trying to emails, setting up good boundaries around those things, whether it's... Um, you're your own boss or you have other bosses trying to hopefully you have less flexibility with that, but hopefully align. Um, we can become aligned on like where your expectations are at that stuff. Um, and you can kind of just filter that into the, like the rest of your life and, and build up those boundaries where you see that there's a need for them because you're getting kind of stuck in that, that limbo <laughs> between work and <laughs> anything else or uh, the chaos of life and anything else. <laughs> 
Oh God, all this sounds way too familiar. Well, I'm going to be really enjoying some, uh, you know, that's a really good strategy. I'm, I'm going to really enjoy some of the other, you know, pieces of advice that you have for uh, helping manage that kind of uh, excess stimulation, I'll say, um, and uh, to kind of maybe focus on other kinds of stimulation. So <laughs> we're going to get back to that in a second. Uh, so don't go away. You're listening to SDC Present Seek, Discover, Create. Be right back. Want to learn more about relationships, sex, and health and find new ways to spice up your sex life? Check out sdc.com. We'll guide you on your erotic journey with unlimited access to videos, podcasts, and articles from experts like Dr. Jess, Sunny Megatron, Dr. Nancy, and Sex Because. Visit sdc.com to discover and connect with your own erotic tribe and explore more at SDC events, parties, and travel destinations. You'll have tons of exclusive resources to start your exploration and continue along your path to erotic self-discovery. Join over 3 million of our SDC members worldwide to seek, discover, and create with us today. Don't forget to use promo code 7070 for two months of free access to SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. You're listening to the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Rachel Rose, and we're talking about how to manage your noisy brain and how to handle stress and anxiety in having, um, you know, in your day-to-day and in having a very good, healthy life and sex life. So I personally uh, deal with migraines. So fun stuff. Uh, It actually is really an impediment to having, uh, occasionally, to having, um, I guess, the kind of sex life that I would like to have occasionally. Um, Other times, I'm totally fine. I could go for weeks on end. I'll have, you know, all the fun that I want, but sometimes it just knocks me out and then there's no, you know, there's no real uh, way to insert sex into that equation. So, Given that I, ha- I know firsthand that it's a challenge to work through these issues, and 
to also work through issues of like anxiety and depression and just daily stress in general and feel sexy and feel like you have the energy and the desire to, you know, um, to have the kind of sex that goes kind of maybe even beyond spooning, <laughs> you know, like that nice lazy side straddle. How do you keep your sex drive active when you're so busy and you're dealing with all of these different things and all these different stressors? Totally. So um, I also know firsthand, um, in addition to having, I mean, honestly, it's a laundry list of medical conditions at this point. Uh, I'm an overachiever. What can I say? Um, <laughs> I couldn't just have one. Um, so I have a rare disease called systemic mastocytosis. Uh, and then also um, comor- a comorbid to that, which is like, you know, a disease, some other conditions that go uh, often hand in hand. I have vulva pain um, from a couple, for a couple of different reasons. And just like you said, like between the fatigue and the brain fog and the pain and the unpredictability of it all on top of managing your life and your responsibilities, it's a lot. It's a lot to like, even sometimes most of the energy, depending on how you're feeling uh, and you can't predict these things. So that kind of also throws a wrench into literally everything. Yeah. Um, so there are things that you can do to kind of like try to manage that. Um, but also like give yourself permission to just sometimes you're not going to be up for it and that's okay. Um, think about how much before you feel, start feeling guilty about not having enough sex or meeting, meeting certain needs or whatever else I'm sure that you and your brain could come up with. Um, it's, it's really great to just think about like, what are you actually up for? Like, are you in the mood for sex? If you don't want to have it, there's not a right amount of sex that anybody should be having. Mm-hmm. Um, it varies wildly between by, by individual, between people in, in relationships, and there's not a right way to do any of it. Um, it, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And also another way to manage it would be to talk to your partner uh, or whoever, mm-hmm. whoever you plan on having sex with and being open with them about what you're going through. Uh, people tend to be a lot more understanding and willing to accommodate you um, when they know what's going on, if you're, if you're uh, keeping someone out because you don't want them to see how much you're struggling or what you're going through, it's going to be a lot harder for them to relate to what you're experiencing and to be able to understand or to do what they can to help you um, in any way that might be helpful. Um, so sometimes for me, if my brain is being really noisy, like if, we're, if I'm trying to play with a partner uh, and my brain won't shut up, and uh, this usually helps, I think, when... It might be a little, it might be a little bit strange if it wasn't somebody I knew. Uh, but I usually, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I have this thought in my head and I have to say it. <laughs> I cannot stop thinking it. You know, like um, the partner that I live with, I'll be like, shit, when we're done, just, I know this is like the worst timing, but like, remind me of this topic afterwards. And then, <laughs> and then, I'm, but then I'm not thinking it anymore. Now I can right. actually focus on what's happening. You know, it, there was like, what, like a 10 second awkward moment where I like, I brought up a topic and it probably not ideal time. But now I can enjoy the next however long we're playing for. Um, if you, people with ADHD tend to have trouble um, task switching. So like we were talking before, um, sometimes people have, have a difficult time going from work into relaxation or sex or, you know, turning off the part of your brain that's kind of like the go, go, go. Um, so sometimes it helps to do something chill in between with like a partner or the person you want to play with. And cuddle and talk or watch TV or go for a walk around the park or the neighborhood or wherever else you are. Um, Just getting some distance from whatever is stressing you out sometimes can be helpful Mm -hmm. and giving yourself time to like come down from that 
high of, of running around all the time, especially for people who are working from home. And like you said, it's more a gig economy. A lot of people do have two, three jobs. And one of those jobs usually entails working from home. Yeah. So I know for myself, because I do work from home, I have my computer and it's kind of on all the time. So disconnecting from that. And, and like you said, um, you, whether you have, you know, ADHD or not, um, switching from switching your brain off from work mode to play mode is sometimes it's not, it can't just happen. It doesn't just happen like it with, when you snap your fingers, you need to take the time in the space, the physical space too, that you, that, you know, away from your computer and whatever your workstation looks like in order to decompress and kind of disconnect to be able to go back into that play mode. I think that is such great advice. And I like what you said uh, when you were saying, you know, go for a walk because you're engaging like that physical part of your body also. Uh, when, you know, we sit in our chairs a lot of the time, um, speaking a lot for myself here, uh, and <laughs> yeah. I do I, I do exercise throughout the day and that's great. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm sitting and the most, uh, the most action that I get is my fingers typing really, you know, furiously on the keyboard. And so the rest of my body is not really engaged in my day-to-day work. Going out there, like you said, getting that fresh air, engaging like all the other muscle groups. (laughs) I think that's very handy. But yes, also, so going for a walk and the physical touch and contact of like, a lot of those have been shown in studies to like help complete the stress cycle. Mm -hmm. So like, um, if you were being chased by a lion, you know, let's go, you know, go back a couple million years you're being chased by a lion you're either going to get eaten by the lion or you're going to escape the lion yeah Um, so like there is a natural conclusion to to this like to that kind of that stress but the kind of stress that we have today is mostly like low to mid-range stress but it's just chronic it's all the time there are things that don't get sorted out or take months or you know years to figure out or there's no obvious solution to it so sometimes you need to kind of create your own conclusion to these things by trying to like distance yourself from it. it it's probably not going to solve your problem, but it might help you get some distance from it and help be able to put your, your, your headset in a, in a mindset in a different space than, than the one that you were in. You know. Yeah. And what you said was, uh, I mean, I'm getting a visual now being chased by a lion, but <laughs> it, it can even feel, you know, day to day, that level of um, uh, that stress that like rise, the heart rate rising, you know, like uh, the, you know, your heart beating fast, your, your blood pumping, uh, feeling stress, whether, you know, some people do, uh, you know, have panic attacks and uh, they, they're, they can feel real, like you're dying. And it's very scary. Um, even just day to day stress when you're, you know, you, the smallest thing could happen the smallest inconvenience can feel like a huge huge issue that feels almost insurmountable so you know getting out of your head and kind of trying to get back into your body when you're dealing with stress or you know you have other ailments or other pain I like what you said before because you were saying you know give yourself permission to not have to feel like you're on all the time not to feel like you're uh you know you're you need to have like a certain amount of sex but if you have that desire to have sex, but your your body is just not cooperating with you, is there like an in-between mode? Is there something that you can still do to kind of feel like some kind of satisfaction? Forget your partner for a second. I'm just talking about your own satisfaction. Absolutely. So I think, um, and this is the, when I started having vulva pain, this is like the same kind of question that I would ask people. I'm like, I want to, and then my body is not cooperating with me. Um, and at first it the, was the, the, the advice that I hated the most, and it honestly had so much truth to it. Um, expand what your idea of sex is. 
And mm-hmm. at first I was like, no, 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 but I want to have the sex that I was having. Like, you're not giving me the answer that I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is, is like, there are so many other ways to enjoy yourself, either solo, with a partner, with multiple partners, doesn't matter. Like, there are a lot of ways that you can engage other people that maybe don't fit into um, what you're currently thinking of as like, as the sex you've been having. Um, and there's kind of, I think there's like, there's an adjustment period where like this, it's like, it's new territory. So everything, you know, feels like a little, can feel a little weird at first, but like that, um, you know, thing, one of my favorites, uh, when your body's not cooperating, like people with like real low energy, I think mutual masturbation is like quite possibly the most underrated, awesome sex act uh, in the world uh, because it's something you could do. Like it, it doesn't really matter uh, what bits you and your partner have, how you, um, if, if you have vulvar pain, you can, you can navigate your own body. Uh, if you have other types of pain, you can navigate sex and, 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 and around those limitations or, um, bound, like constraints. Um, and if you are kind of like one of those people who has trouble getting started, which I know that for me is often an issue, that's a great way to get started in, in like a low pressure way that I get to keep, keep control of my body, which helps manage a lot of my anxiety around um, navigating the pain issues. Um, and then once I'm like, once my endorphins have started going and I'm more into it, like you're already like, then I'm like getting over that hump of like anxiety that I sometimes experience. So that's part of it. Um, I like that. Other things that you can do um, for people with like a noisy brain, if, if uh, easily distracted is you probably can't change how your brain works. So just make it part of sex. Um, have fun with it. Make it a game. So, and I know that sounds ridiculous at first, but it, it actually can be uh, really fun. So like, um, let's say you're somebody who like literally just cannot focus on exactly what's happening and it, it, that's not easy for you. So make it a game and get a sexy book and have your partner touch you or whoever you're with touch you um, while you have to read like, the sexy erotica or something like that and it's a game and like when you get too turned on you have to, you know it maybe it's harder to focus on what you're saying and if you stop reading they stop doing what they're doing and so you're like you're kind of a challenge and now it's you're giving yourself something else to focus on why it's happening you know so so now you're not distracted for no reason you've got a, it, it's now a fun part of the game um, and then take turns you know so then your partner can then it's your partner's turn or whoever else you're with Oh, that's so fun. I love that idea. <laughs> Listen, if you can't beat it, join it. Like, you yeah. just, it's not going to go away. Make it, um, you know, make it something new. Like, if, um, if you need a lot of ADHD, so ADHD brains, um, and, like, I'm using ADHD as an example for, like, again, the epitome of, of where I think a lot of these people who have these problems more frequently or, or run into these challenges, not problems necessarily, um, but I think that they apply to everybody. So mm-hmm. um, if, if ADHD brains often need more, um, they, are, they work differently because they don't, they need more dopamine and norepinephrine um, to get the same level of, of like, st- like to reach the, the ideal level uh, in the brain. So they need more stimulus happening. So like for them um, or for anybody really, you can also try to do, introducing new things, like new toys, new positions. When it's new and shiny, sometimes things are easier to focus on. Um, new and shiny. <laughs> but, it's also, but it's also fun to mix things up anyway. So it's, yeah. instead of looking at everything as a, like, um, and I, 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 you know, accidentally use the word problem, but the fact of the matter is a lot of these things aren't problems. They're just differences in how people's brains work. And um, 
a lot of when I when I was looking into this more in depth to prepare for that presentation, um, I came across so many people who were like, oh, you know, sometimes I just think I should give up or like my anxiety about not being able to focus is so bad that I can't focus, then it's worse. And, and right. I think a lot of this comes from this idea that like you have to be a certain way. Or you think mm-hmm. You're supposed to fit into this box of what it, what you, what people should look like when they're being sexual. Uh, and I, that box doesn't exist. Um, and I think kind of getting rid of that script entirely and trying to figure out what works for you and the people or person that you're with is a much better way to go at it. And in the end, hopefully everybody will be happier because they have something that works for them and not this idea of what should work for everybody. And it takes the pressure off. So every, so you're right, because we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves as to what we kind of expect ourselves to be like, but also kind of what maybe we expect our partners to expect from us. It's kind of a very, it, it's, it can be damaging. And, um, I, and so in terms of those non-pressure or lower pressure situations, that idea, like you said, of expanding what you consider to be a sex act. Um, and instead of it being, okay, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, it, it doesn't have to be a conventional definition of sex, whatever that even means anymore. Mm-hmm. It can be, you know, mutual masturbation, which is so great. That also takes the pressure off. But then you're really, you know, you get to, um, do things at your own pace. You can slow things down. You could do what, you know, what feels good for you without having to, I guess, you know, if, if part of the pressure is, you know, having to communicate to your partner, well, you know, I'm kind of in pain here, you know, I, I need you to, uh, you know, do this and this, um, communicating that sometimes can also end anxiety. So taking all that pressure off, taking that pressure off yourself, taking off these imagined pressures that you think maybe your partner or partners are, are thinking too, because half the time they're thinking about whatever, you know, is in their heads. They're not thinking about, <laughs> you know, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, I, I, I know that's so hard because so much of my anxiety is like trying to figure out what the other person is thinking and like I'm, trying to, I'm a mind reader in bed. Uh, that doesn't work for anybody. No. Despite no. my continually, <laughs> my brain auto, like autopiloting to doing that, um, it, it doesn't work. You, that's where good communication comes in. That's where, um, and you know what you mentioned about like being in pain and having to navigate that and communicate that, that could be, it's super helpful to communicate that. And for some people, it's also really tricky because, you know, I know for me personally, like um, there are certain days where my skin is more sensitive and like, and, and I tend to register more pain. So like even gentle touches will be uncomfortable or painful when, uh, you know, the day before they weren't yeah. um, stuff like that. So sometimes you can kind of, um, and I imagine this is probably easier with partners that you have, that you, you probably play with uh, more regularly. Um, you can kind of like kind of give them like a brief overview at the beginning and just let them know that you'll navigate it as you go. Instead of giving them like, by the way, don't touch me on uh, my left leg and my right arm and my left shoulder. <laughs> it like, you know, kind of, um, just kind of accept that like there might be some moments where you have to kind of like, just tell them something's not working for them and let them know like upfront that you might have to do that. So they don't think that they're hurting you and just be like, listen, if you are, I'll let you know, it's not a big deal. We'll just change it and move on. Um, and kind of like de-escalate how much pressure is building about around those things, um, I think can be really helpful. Oh, such good advice. Oh, man. Okay, well, we're going to continue with that really shortly in the next segment. So don't go away. You are listening to Seek, Discover, Create. We'll be right back. Explore your lexuality on my website, alexisilver.com. For those of you who are just getting to know me, you'll be pleased to find my erotic stories and a variety of kinky sex toys on my site. 
If you dare to enter my playground, I'll treat you to 15% off anything you desire when you use promo code LEXISDC. That's L-E-X-I-S-D-C. And don't be shy. Come get lectual with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. You'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Rachel Rose. And we are talking about what it's like to live with a noisy brain and how to still feel sexy and get that sex life that you really want. I really love what you were saying before, Rachel, about um, you know expanding your idea of what sex is and that idea of mutual masturbation <laughs> being something that not only teens do before they engage in actual sex, uh, it's something that could be really fun to incorporate into your sex life if that is something um, you know as a as a way to take the pressure off as a way to uh, really just kind of get back in touch with your body and to not have to communicate every little you know uh, thing um, about you know oh don't touch me here don't touch me there to really just get you started and to feel you know to, to be able to feel good to give yourself permission to feel good I love that idea I'm so incorporating that a little bit more I think these days <laughs> and like and that could be either all that could be like, you know, a type of foreplay that could be, that could be sex. Just that is the entire act. It could be, uh, you could try something different, like incorporating toys or using toys on each other rather than um, maybe rather than body parts in certain instances, or um, you could, I mean, even as much as like, maybe you're somebody who doesn't want to have your genital touch or don't want to be physical in certain ways. Maybe, maybe sex is more like, you know, maybe it's not so much about sex, but being intimate together to like in mm-hmm. a connection. So like taking showers together, sleeping, like cuddling naked, like kind of, you know, having more time. For, like, I think that's almost more of a priority when it comes to like navigating stuff with, with a partner, especially like a long-term partner. Yes. Like we were talking about earlier, like there's weeks that go by that are one way or the other. Um, however, um, you can kind of just find other ways to connect too. So there's like, there's a whole spectrum of sex is a spectrum just like everything else oh so quotable i love that not only physical isolation but also you know isolating yourself from seeing people to be able to go out and be sociable um you know to to maybe not want to uh engage in any kind of sex uh because i'm in pain or i'm not feeling sexy and how do you get back from that after you've been dealing with that kind of isolation? How do you uh, get back into feeling sexy and like confident and getting back into like, you know, feeling healthy in that way? So there are, um, it's really easy when you're dealing with chronic health issues or disability to end up um, 
being way more isolated than you'd like, either because you need to be in a dark room by yourself. I know for me personally, um, one of the main things that triggers a whole slew of, of potential symptoms is I'm really severely allergic to fragrances and chemicals, which unfortunately means that since like 97 or so percent of personal care products have some kind of fragrance in it, mm-hmm. being around people can be really challenging for me. Uh, and I am a total people person, extrovert all the way. Um, and so I know that that, has, that does have, if I, if I don't find other ways to meet those like extrovert needs can have a huge impact on like my mood. And that all trickles down into like how sexy or sexual I feel because um, I think, I think the first thing you need to look at is like, even though it's not the most like directly sexual answer, the way that you're feeling about yourself overall has a huge impact on how sexy you feel or how sexual you want to be. If you're oh, yeah. feeling sad or um, depressed or just like not great about yourself, not feeling successful or product productive or, or lonely, all those things are going to have a huge impact in, in how much you feel like you want to be sexual or engage, want to engage that way. Um, so I think that the first thing that you can do, um, whether you, you're somebody who has flare-ups, like, you know, it's a week or two at a time, or it's somebody who has a chronic condition that's all the time, um, it's kind of build ways to not be isolated into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I think like so much, so much good comes from having a good support system too. So trying to create that for yourself. And I think that's going to look a little bit different for everybody. I know for me, um, for me, one of the things I like to do is you can have open conversations with friends or partners about what you actually have bandwidth for, right? So you need to be in a dark room by yourself. That makes it challenging. Maybe someone, if you know, someone really wants to connect with you, a partner um, or something, they can come and just like cuddle with you. If you, mm-hmm. you know, in the dark room, if they want to, you know, maybe, maybe like not for that long if you want to be by, left by yourself, but like that can be a way to connect with somebody within like what are pretty small, like, um, uh, boundaries there. I can't, mm-hmm. um, and you know, maybe you're somebody else who you can, um, be honest with your friends about what you have bandwidth for. Maybe you don't have the energy to go out clubbing or go dancing, but they can come over and watch Netflix and you guys can order pizza rather than like make a complicated dinner. Um, yep. you can take all these things and kind of, um, roll them into things that you do with partners too. Um, my solution to a lot of my of my isolation problems has been that I host potlucks at my house once a month, most, more or less. What time is where you to schedule them? But I invite all my friends over. Uh, I hate cooking. I try not to because I just don't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so we get a potluck. So everybody else brings the food. And then we all just get to spend time together. And I can ask them all not to wear fragrances and not die from it. So that's, uh, that's awesome. So you can control your environment. I can control my environment. And I still get to all the social interaction and fun. And so and personally, when I'm feeling good, when I'm ha- like... And maybe it's not always in a physical sense because my body does a lot of things that I wish it didn't. Um, but when I feel, when I'm feeling more like uplifted and happy, I a hundred want to be sexual about a hundred times more. But I, when I'm not feeling good about myself in, in whatever respect, I don't, I'm so much less likely to want to engage with other people. Um, so I think that while it varies a person um, and then you can also roll that into things that make you feel sexy and more confident. Um, so that also varies a person. So like if you're somebody, think about what makes you feel good, right? Um, for some people, it's getting dressed up. For other people, it's like doing more self-care oriented things, yoga, meditation, long baths, whatever. Um, some people feel better when they're doing exercise. You really need to kind of think about what works for you because the same mm-hmm. thing is not going to work for everybody. True. And then try to figure out how even if what you're able to do and your abilities are different, how you can still find ways to engage with that and, and 
find time to and a way to do it so that you can still have those parts of your life, um, even when health stuff is playing in a, is playing a big part of it. And I feel, you know, I, myself, you know, whenever I'm trying to get into that, you know, sexy state of mind or, you know, for people who are dealing with a noisy brain or, you know, or any kind of disability, coping with feeling not just unsexy to themselves, but also feeling guilty if you're in a long-term relationship or you or any relationship where let's say you're living with a partner or, you know, you, uh, you have a partner, uh, or multiple partners in your life and you're still trying to not only deal with uh, all of the stuff within yourself, but you also feel guilty because you're not necessarily giving your partner what they, what you believe are they need or whatever they consider to be basic relationship needs, like, you know, basic sex or even just FaceTime, just to be able to spend enough time with them. Um, you know, just to, to spend that quality time that they might want everybody, like you said, everyone's different. Everyone's needs are different. Uh, your needs may be different than your partner's, but feeling that general guilt, how do you, can you overcome it? I could do a whole podcast on this exact topic. (laughs) (laughs) I could definitely have a lot to say about this one. Um, So I think, I think the first thing to do is to step back and think about a little bit about um, what the needs are, what, what needs someone has been expected to fill on behalf of their partner. Um, Because I think in a lot of different ways, uh, people, especially like in long-term committed relationships, end up filling so many different roles for the other person that it, as life changes, whether, whether it's from a chronic illness or you have a new job or you have kids or some other life change has happened are not always super sustainable. Um, and I think if you feel like you can't meet your partner's needs, it might be a good time to sit down and talk about what your expectations are for each other. Uh, lives are going to change and relationships are going to evolve, whether that's from health stuff or something completely different or some other life thing. Um, and we need to be able to change our relationships so that they still work for our life. Um, for hmm. for um, some of the ways that I personally solve that. So I, I, have, a, I have a long-term partner um, that I've been with for many years and um, we started dating long before I had health issues and, have, you know, we're still together now. Uh, and we decided for us that we were on to open up our relationship. It, um, we were monogamous for about 10 years and we've been open for about two and a half, maybe three. Um, and for me, that really works. I love the comfort of knowing that, um, it's helped him. He's a much more introverted person. So like it helped him to kind of get more outside his comfort zone and be more social where he doesn't know he didn't always have the uh, initiative to do that before. Um, he would mostly let me organize all our social addings cause I do that either way. <laughs> um, but um, I love knowing that he's got a good support system. So he has other people when I'm not able to, if I'm in the middle of a flare up, if I'm busy with work stuff, if um, that he, if he's got something uh, that's, that's not super urgent, but he wants someone to talk to about it, or he wants to go see a movie that I'm not available to go see or just anything really, um, that he's other people he can do things with. Um, and you don't have to be open and open relationship to have it. You could have friends as a support system as well. Um, but as far as sex goes, I feel personally, a lot better knowing that if I can't meet his, whatever his needs are, that he has other people he can go to too. Not that I don't want to be able to, but I, I kind of accept that realistically, there are going to be things out of my control and it doesn't do either one of us any good for me to feel awful about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes me less likely to want to have sex in the future because I'm too busy feeling horrible about myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people, like the conclusion that kind of takes some time to come to for everybody, especially when you, um, somebody who, has a developed 
chronic health issue or disability. Um, there's a lot of a lot of growing pains with that one. I think I still will run into a million more that I haven't even thought of yet. <laughs> um, but that one specifically, um, I think that trying to find ways that you can help your partner have their needs met, not necessarily sexually, but in general, um, or ways that you can sit down and discuss uh, as far as sex goes, you know, what they're really looking for. Maybe they won't, Maybe it's not really like, if you're not able to have sex, maybe sex isn't actually what they want. They want the feeling that they have when they have sex with you mm -hmm. or the connection that they have. And maybe that there's some other way that you can work together to figure out how to make them have that, like how they can still have those same feelings and that sense of connection mm -hmm. within your ability. I think there's a lot of different ways and that communication is probably the best way to work through feeling guilty would be to talk to your partner and help address some of the things that you are feeling bad about. Oh, absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those communication techniques and strategies that you can use with your partner or partners, multiple, um, when you are trying to, uh, I guess, go over these kinds of expectations uh, from yourself and from uh, your partner. Uh, so don't go away. We'll be right back after this. Explore the decadent pleasures of Ibiza, our provocative new SDC getaway that fuses sumptuous relaxation with the liveliness of the island's world-renowned nightlife. Over five hedonistic nights, you'll savor the unique local flavors and spectacular views, and we're not just talking about the Mediterranean seascapes. Throughout our exclusive SDC takeover, you can indulge in the experience of being surrounded by seductive, like-minded international couples in the lifestyle. Connect with guests in our erotic play areas, clothing-optional pools, jacuzzis, and beautiful beaches, and immerse yourself in the youthful Ibiza party lifestyle with our glamorous SDC theme nights. Create memories that will last a lifetime in our latest Spanish escapade in Santa Eulalia del Rio from September 21st to the 26th. Book your rooms now at sdc.com. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles and videos and keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter all on thesexylifestyle.com. tuned in to seek discover create with lexi silver if you have a question or comment about the show we'd love to hear from you via email to lexi at sdc.com that's l-e-x-i at sdc.com now back to this week's discussion Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver, and I'm here with Rachel Rose, and we are talking about great communication techniques that you can use with uh, your partner or your partners in order to uh, talk about what it is that maybe your partner might expect from you or need from you in your relationship in order to feel that their needs are being met. If you are not necessarily able to meet those needs because of um, a physical or a psychological um, ailment uh, or disability that you have, uh, there are some things that you can do uh, to talk to your partner to, make, I guess, uh, figure out how you can make uh, that intimacy continue to give them uh, the, those feelings that maybe having sex can also generate. Uh, that positivity, that closeness. What can somebody do if, they, let's say, your partner's sex drive is really high and you just can't muster the energy for it? How can they still meet uh, their needs? Maybe they're not necessarily looking for that intimacy. Maybe they are actually looking for that sexual connection. So if you know, uh, you're not physically able to perform those acts with them, 
what is what can they do to maybe manage their sex drive? So there's different things. Um, I think masturbation is great. I think everybody in relationship should all like should also find time to to give themselves pleasure. Everyone um, should masturbate. Let's yeah, all masturbate. Masturbation for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, masturbation for all. It's been like my my yeah. Slogan if I ever run for anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think get me elected. I um, would so vote for you. Are you kidding? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm, um, so, but yeah, so uh, masturbation is great. That's a great way to manage uh, having a higher sex drive than the person you're, than, than one of your, than your partner. Um, if you have multiple partners, I would say maybe see if you can get some of those needs met with other people as well. Mm-hmm. If you are monogamous and only have one partner, um, other things you can do are um, maybe, maybe the partner with the lowest sex drive isn't up for sex. Maybe they would be willing to participate in a different way, uh, whether it be, um, you could, they could, you, you could participate in some, in some way while the person did masturbate. So like, you know, maybe they'll cuddle with you while you're masturbating or like kiss your neck or make out with you while you do it. Um, and so they're not necessarily like having sex with you, but they are engaging with you. I mean, that can be a form of sex, mm-hmm. um, but they're also engaging with you in a way that makes it feel like a partnered act without, without stepping over their own boundaries of where they feel comfortable. Um, mm. uh, ideally, I mean, if, they're not comfortable with that. They shouldn't be doing it. They shouldn't, you know, do that. Um, and um, other things were like, you, uh, maybe some people are voyeurs or exhibitionists as well. You could put on a little show for your partner. Uh, and that it can be, it could be a partnered act in the sense that they're watching you do it. Um, things like that, I think could be good ways to navigate um, having an actual, like if, if it's not intimacy they're looking for, it's actually sex, mm-hmm. finding ways to, kind of seek out other aspect, other um, points on that spectrum of what sex can be um, that might fit the needs of both people involved. Oh, I like that. And what about, I guess, advice for sexual partners uh, in terms of how they can support someone who is dealing with this disability when they're not, you know, able to, I guess, perform sex acts or maybe they don't want to be touched or maybe they are dealing with isolation. How can a partner support this person who is dealing with a disability? That's a tricky one because it, disability is very wildly by person. Oh, yeah. And what the limitations are. So that's kind of like it's a super broad and it's going to be very specific to each person. I think that's something that whether it's a friend or a sexual partner or um, someone you're in a relationship with, one thing that people can do is to just trust that people know their own bodies uh, and their own symptoms and what they need. Um, and if it's something that they don't know how to navigate, maybe that's something you could have a discussion about. Uh, brainstorming is a great way to get through I think that's like a good solution to any problem, whether it's sexual yeah. or otherwise. Um, <laughs> come up with a solution. Um, maybe having two or more brains thinking about it can come up with an idea that you maybe never had before. Uh, and then you can work together to make sure that's something you can both enjoy. Um, th- things, um, if, if you're somebody who uh, has a disability, one thing, one thing I like to do, and this is kind of a little bit of a, a jump from the question you asked, but I think it applies so I kind of like to know um, where my limits are with different people at different times or how I'm feeling and kind of think about that before I approach or engage with another person. Mm-hmm. And then I can tell them, like, if I'm having really bad bulb pain, you know, like um, maybe, maybe what I say is I want to play with them, but I don't want to take my underwear off and I would like to not have my vulva touched, but there's tons of other things yeah. that we can do together. And then the other person just needs to be understanding and willing and not... Um, and just be open to being creative and coming up with creative solutions to have a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. I promise you it can be done. 
It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Just get creative. But that partner has to also not put pressure right think exactly. on the person who's dealing with uh, whatever pain or whatever limitations uh, that there are and trusting that well if I you know if I'm willing to share my body with you share this experience with you you have to also you know um, be patient and to not put pressure on me to do things that are beyond my level of comfort whether it's physical psychological it doesn't really matter um, I mean it, it all does come down to consent obviously if you're with a yeah. partner and they respect you they're not going to like make you uh, feel like you need to do anything that you're not comfortable doing um, but I think this is especially true going, I guess, beyond consent just to um, basic uh, sensitivity that your partner might not be able uh, to maybe or might feel guilty about saying, no, they don't want to do something uh, with you. Um, no, I don't want to, you know, uh, have sex with you right now because I'm feeling like a, a certain way. Uh, as a partner, you need to also recognize that, hey, if your partner is dealing with with a, a disability or they're in pain or they're tired, or even if they're just tired and they're just not really in the mood, to maybe look at those cues that they're giving you and say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to put pressure on you. It's totally fine if you don't want to do that. If you want to get creative, you want to do some, uh, you want to just like watch me jerk off or <laughs> you, yeah. you want to like grab a toy, like whatever works for you. There has to be like that understanding, that patience, that lack of pressure in order to make it, uh, you, to even leave room for creativity. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. And I think, I think that all does, even in committed relationships, still boils down to consent. I think, you know, trying to, persuade somebody or push somebody or even guilt them into it is, is, is absolutely a consent issue. Um, even if we don't necessarily always uh, frame it that way, it, yeah. it is. And, um, and I think that I, being creative is great, but both people have to be interested in being creative. Yes. Too. So if somebody really isn't interested in having sex in any way, shape or form, sometimes you have to be okay with your partner not, not being up for that too. Um, and that's sometimes just a, a reality of life. Yep. And, and that's okay. I mean, if your partner's not down for sex, whatever the situation may be, maybe they're just tired. They had a long day. Like, leave them alone. They need their space. They, they just need to chill out and, you know, hang out with some Netflix and they don't want to be even thinking about sex. You can't impose your needs on them either. So it really just has to be a, um, an understanding that sometimes you or your partner or your partners might not feel sexual. And if you want to deal with your own needs, go and do it. On your own. <laughs> Not only that, but when people say no, that, that lets you know that when they say yes, they really mean it. Yeah. And I think people like having the freedom to like to just not feel bad about not being in the mood when you're not in the mood means that like that in itself, like if, if you're making someone feel bad for not being in the mood, they're it's way less likely to be in the mood in the future because you're, you're going to feel bad. Not only do they feel bad about it, but they're going to have they're going to build up more anxiety around this what they what they've now perceived to be an issue and a problem mm -hmm. and, and it's just kind of snowballs from there and, and on top of whatever else was causing them not to be in the mood in the first place whether it be a long day at work or a disability Absolutely. And I love all of the amazing advice you've given us and all those different communication techniques, things that you can say, things that you can do, the alternatives to actual, um, you know, uh, to, to actually having sex with your partner if you're not down or they're not down. There's so many, uh, there's a spectrum, like you said, of things that can be done uh, in order for both of you to feel good. Um, and get satisfaction out of your relationship. So um, I, I know you are full of other great ideas. You write, you, you host events. Tell us a little bit about how people can reach out to you and find out more about the great things that you're doing after the show. 
Great. So I have a blog, uh, hedonish.com, H-E-D-O-N-I-S-H.com, where I write articles about um, sex positivity, living with a chronic illness, uh, polyamory. Um, You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at Hedonish. Um, Glittergasm events, which is currently being run locally uh, in the Philadelphia region, uh, but we hope to eventually take it on the road and bring it to other cities. Yes. We, um, you can learn more about that at glittergasmevents.com uh, or um, on Facebook at glittergasm events. And yeah, that's, and that's, that's usually where I am. I'm like everybody else. I'm on social media, probably way too much, <laughs> <laughs> but you post such great things. So definitely be sure to follow Rachel on all of the links that you're going to be able to see in the show notes. So uh, definitely find ways to uh, stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and all the places that you will hopefully be taking glittergasm events. Cause I, I definitely want to go to one of those. So <laughs> I would, we should talk. I would love to bring it to, to your city. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. I think Definitely. it's time. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, but I super want to. Like, I'm so excited to take on this road. I'll take it on the road one day. <laughs> oh my God. Well, thank you so much for being here today and for talking to me and giving us all this great advice. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and thank all of you for listening. And tune in Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sexy Lifestyle Network for my next show. Stay up to date with my podcast. You can also download and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play Music. And don't forget, you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at sdc.com. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on SDC Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover 
a king-size bed and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throws of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now.